How are you doing? Oh, what a great morning so far. Whew. Good stuff. Well, this Saturday we have a great event coming up. We have Activate, which is our, which is our prophetic training. We are a prophetic community, so you should all be trained. Yes? Um, so this Saturday, 10 o'clock, right? 10 o'clock, so you can sleep in a little bit. 10 o'clock will be an all-day training. I think it goes till 4 o'clock. 3 o'clock. Just 10 to 3. See? You're home and settled for the evening. But it's, uh, it's really cool. This Activate is Activate Family because we're doing training for kids all the way through adults. So, it's, so you can bring your kids, get them trained also at the same time. Um, so that's why it's called Activate Family. You don't have to have a family to come to it. Everybody is welcome. Everybody can get trained so let's continue to be a prophetic community and get trained in this, right? It's like if you don't go to the gym for a long time, you're going to lose the muscles that you've, you've gained, right? So it's always good to be continually being training in the prophetic and stretching those muscles. Yes? Awesome. Also, in two weeks, we have the Van Gelders with us. They are an amazing couple. They're, yeah. You can cheer for them. They're part of our apostolic oversight, and they are just amazing. You will not want to miss this. They are deep, deep wells. So don't miss it. They have deposited things here that have changed a lot here. That has helped us walk through, um, giving us strategy for how to walk through certain things. And how to come out of it, it's prosperous. So you don't want to miss that. And they'll be with us in two weeks. Next week we have Mother's Day. I hope you're a little bit more excited for your moms. You know, you would not be here without them. So kids, make sure and get your mom something this week for Mother's Day. That's right. All moms turn to your kids right now. Give them the eye of you better. Take care of me next week. It's one of those days that I tell my kids, hey, mom gets to pick out whatever she wants you to wear, and you don't have a choice. It's Mother's Day. And then they look at me and go, well, what did you get mom? And I say, hey, my mama, you better get to the store and get something, because she ain't my mama. I take care of my mom, which means my wife takes care of it for me. (laughs) The truth will set you free. Hey. I never said I was brilliant, but I am smart. (laughs) My mom probably doesn't want a gift from me that I picked out. I mean, hey, you got to do what you got to do. She does a wonderful, yeah, why would I mess that up by doing it myself? Crazy if you do that. Sheesh. So, we actually, we have a special Sunday. We have some moms of the mission that are going to be sharing, so you don't want to miss that. It's going to be really special. Um, so, so, make sure and take care of your moms, though. 
All right. You got your Bibles with you? Or your phones that has the Bible on it? You want to turn to John 4. We're going to be in John 4 today. So today I'm going to be going through the the interaction with Jesus and the woman at the well. And we're going to, I'm going to take it through the perspective of, through her eyes. So kind of her perspective on this encounter she has with Jesus at the well. Okay? So keep that in mind. But we're going to take a second and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to talk to us. Because it really doesn't matter what I say. It's what you hear the Holy Spirit saying. That's what will actually change your life. Hopefully I'm close to that. But what do you, I don't think you really understand. People come, you know, when you're a speaker, people come up to you and say, oh, thank you so much. When you said this, it was so powerful. And it happens all the time, and I really appreciate it. Half the time, I'm like, I never said that. I never actually said that. But you're listening to the Holy Spirit, and you're listening to what he's saying about what he wants to do. So let's turn our hearts to him real quick. Jesus, thank you that you are here, that you chose to be in us. So Holy Spirit, we open up our ears today and listen to your voice as you speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this is verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus tried as he was, or he was tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So you kind of get the picture. He's tired. He's traveling. Sits at this well. It's noon. It's probably hot out. And so, here we go. Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So I want to put real quick here. Jesus is in a place he's not supposed to be. And he's talking to someone he's not supposed to be talking to. Right? If you don't know, the Samaritans and Jews didn't really like each other. They were in conflict with each other. And it wasn't socially acceptable to talk to each other. And to be around each other. So Jesus is in a situation he's not supposed to be in. Okay, so that's the context of this whole interaction, especially from her perspective, right? She's like, you're a Jew. Why are you asking me this? There's conflict here. This starts with conflict. And then Jesus' answer, this verse 10 says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, You would have asked him, and he would give you living water. So this is what I think she heard. This guy that's sitting there, that's a Jew, that she doesn't like, bragging on who he is. He's like, hey, 
do you know who I am? Like, hello, lady. Do you know who I am who's asking you for a drink? Remember, I'm talking from her perspective here. Hey, who do you think you are? Is her attitude. And Jesus is like, if you knew who, his, on his side, he's, he is opening his heart to her. And actually giving her heart's desire. But she doesn't know this yet. Her attitude is, who do you think you are? And Jesus is like, hey, if you really knew who I am, you would have actually asked me that question. How would you feel if the person you're in conflict said that to you? How would you feel if your husband said, well, if you really knew who I was, you would have asked me what I want for dinner. Probably wouldn't go over too well, right? So you got, you got to understand the context here is conflict from her side. So there's like this heavyweight battle about to happen in her head. And this is how she answers. This is verse 11. Sir. <laughs> sir. Basically, who the H do you think you are? Said the woman, said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Like, buddy, get a clue. Where are you going to get this water from? You have nothing to get it with. What are you talking to me for? Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? She says, our father. She's kind of digging at him a little bit here. You say we're not equal. The Jews say we're not equal to you. But our father, Jacob, who gave us, this is where she switches it back to, oh, our father, one of the fathers of Israel, Jacob, gave us the well. Do you see here what she's doing? She's digging at him. This isn't some nice flowery exchange. <laughs> Saying, our father gave us the well that drank, that he drank from himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. So she's firing back at him. She's like, what are you talking about? This is our well, and are you actually greater than our father? So you get the exchange here. You're understanding what's going on. Yes? You with me? All right. Verse 13, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus keeps trying to get to the heart of the issue here. And he's, she, he's saying, the water I'm talking about, if you drink of it, you'll have eternal, gives it eternal life. It's eternal. It's, it's more than just earthly water, right? Yes? All right, I've got four kids. Silence is not golden. That means there's problems or they don't understand. 
But Jesus is saying, hey, he's, basically, if, he's saying, if you drink of me, and she doesn't know this yet, but we know what he's talking about, right? The context, he's talking about himself. Saying, hey, if you drink of me, you will have a foundation, a fountain that overflows in you. You will have a spring of water welling up. And for us, we've drinking of Jesus, right? Yes? Yes, are you disciple of Jesus? Follower of Jesus? Lover of Jesus? Yes, I'm talking to the right crowd. So Jesus is saying, hey, if you've tasted of me, if you've drinking of me, you should have a spring welling up inside of you that pours out. See, we all have something pouring out of us. You can't change that. That's how you were designed. That's how you were created. That something is bubbling up and flowing out of you. And in God's great wisdom, which I don't understand, he gave us a choice of what that is. And we get to choose what's actually bubbling out of our life. And if we're followers of Jesus, it should be Jesus. That's what should be bubbling up and coming out of us. It's Jesus. He says, if you drink... The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up. Are we being springs of living water for people? Are we doing that? And I'm talking to myself here too. This is, I'm never just preaching just at you. Unfortunately, God doesn't like me just to preach things that he's not dealing with me about. So I'm in the same boat. It's, it, is my spring producing living water? Or am I producing sour water? That when people walk away from an encounter with me, do they walk away sweet or do they walk away bitter? It's our choice what springs out of us. So just a little side note there. Back to the story. Verse 15. So she responds to this. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I, don't, I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's saying, I want this water because I don't want to have to come back to this place again. And I think this is where her heart starts to be revealed because she doesn't want to have to come back to this place again, back to this well. And Jesus, I think, obviously he already knows what's going on. He's Jesus. But because she starts revealing her heart, this is his response. He stops talking about the water. Verse 16, he told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. 
what you have, what you have just said is quite true. So Jesus now is starting to talk to her heart cry. See, this woman has had five husbands. And the person she's with is not her husband. So most likely what's happened here is that she's had five husbands die. She's been widowed five times. And the, the sixth one, possibly could be the sixth brother that had now is responsible for him, for her. But he's probably not of age to be actually be her husband. So she's in this place of, will I actually be taken care of? So you have to remember, this woman has gone through five deaths of husband. She's been widowed five times. I think that might cause some pain. I think it might cause some heart pain. And it doesn't say... But I'm kind of tying these two spots together where she says, give me this water so I don't have to come back to this well again. And I think there's something tied to the well and her husband's. And I, I, I'm, I don't know the answer, but it seems like there's, she's saying, please. If there's an answer out there, please give it to me. And then she responds, verse 19, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where you must worship is in Jerusalem. So she identifies him as a prophet because of the information he knows about her, which there's no way he would know unless God told him. But then, got to remember, there's still, she's still in this conflict. If he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. And she brings up the question of the day. The unsolvable question of the day. Where do you work? Where's the right place to worship? This was huge conflict. Like this was the question that was debated and argued and bloodshed was actually attached to. Think about it in our day. What is the question? What are the questions right now that are out there that seem unsolvable? That a lot of hate and bloodshed has been shed over. That's what this is. And she's basically saying, if you're a prophet, then you can answer this question that nobody else can. She's given him a question that nobody else can answer or have a satisfactory answer. She's trying to put him in a no-win situation. Kind of like the world right now. Feels like they're in a no-win situation. No matter what side you're on, you're on the wrong side. Right? If you've been in leadership at all, you would understand that very well. So 
So this is how he responds. Verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has come. So Jesus basically said, wrong question. Because it's not going to matter. It doesn't matter anymore. He's saying it doesn't matter anymore where you worship. Because he goes on. says, yet a time is coming and has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worship. Worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. So she's saying, hey, he's saying that doesn't matter anymore. Where you worship doesn't matter. God's not looking for a where. He's looking for a who. He's looking for a people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what God's looking for. He's not looking, are you worshiping at the correct spot? He's looking at, are you a worshiper? Are you willing to worship in spirit and in truth? And for us today, it's the same thing. It hasn't changed. God doesn't care where you worship. He cares what you worship. And how you worship. So the Father is looking for people that worship him in spirit and in truth. So we're going to just take a pause right here. We're going to close our eyes and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us with this. That this week you go on a journey asking the Holy Spirit, how do I worship in spirit and in truth. So let's, let's just take a moment right now. Holy Spirit, we just open our lives to you today. And we say, teach us how to worship in spirit and in truth. Because Jesus said, that's what the Father's looking for. So we, as a people, his people, Commit to worship you in spirit and in truth. So teach us how to do that. Get us out of our comfort zone. You didn't say worship in your comfort. What you're comfortable with. You said worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So we give that to you today. Holy Spirit, teach us. Amen. But that's why at the mission we make it a priority to worship. Because that's what the Father is looking for. He's looking for worshipers. So that's why we do it. Because he is worthy. Verse 25. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us.
Bear with me. I'm probably going to lose it through here. Because I can feel her heart cry out. That she says it in a statement, but it's almost a question. As could you be the one? See, he, he, he told her about her husband's. But that didn't necessarily change anything for her. She didn't leave at that point to go tell the town that the Messiah had come. That the man that told her everything was there. It was at this point. When she says, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus' response Says then Jesus declared, I the one speaking to you, I am He. The things she was crying out for. Because she wanted answers. Why did why have I lost five husbands? And she knew if the Messiah was in front of her, she would get her explanation. And it says, he says, I am he. Basically, he's saying, I'll explain everything. I'm here in front of you, and I will explain everything. And what does she do? Verse 28, then leaving her water jug, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, she left. He says, I'm the one you're looking for. And she leaves. And she leaves the thing that she came for. She left her water jug. Because it didn't matter anymore. Because she tasted the living water. But she left and went to the town and says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So she doesn't even wait. She jumps up, goes to the town and says, hey, this man has told me everything I've done. There's nothing recorded here that he went through his, her whole life and talked about everything, right? Right? Yes? But she knew he was the Messiah, so therefore he could explain everything. And she wanted her whole town to experience the same thing. See, when we drink of Jesus, not only are we supposed to have a well of living water bubbling out of us, but it's not just for us. It's not just for me. This woman who had suffered through five losses, when she found the one that can answer everything, she went and found other people so they can experience it too. She didn't keep it to herself. It would have been so easy for her just to sit there and keep it to herself. 
but she went out and gathered everybody else. So what are we doing with our well? What are we doing with our spring? And Jesus ends up staying for two more days. Because of this woman's hunger and the town's hunger for him, he changed his plans and stayed two more days. He wasn't planning on being there for two more days. She changed the course of history because she said, you are the one that can explain everything. Come, drink of him, and he'll give you living water. And history's changed. See, a people group that was probably the last one to, be, to accept the Messiah was the one that threw their arms open and accepted him. If you read through the Gospels, he doesn't declare who he is very often. But to this group that's supposed to be outcast and garbage was the one. He said, I am he. I'm the Messiah, and I'm here for you. I'll let that sink in for you. The people group that was least expected was the one that was able to have Jesus to themselves for two days. And then we come to the disciples. I'm going to run through this really quick. The great and mighty disciples... Yeah, the knuckleheads. This is verse 31. Because they showed up at the same time this happened when she goes back to the, the town. It says, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? So he's going through this all over again about the water. Now it's food. But he kind of gets to the point a little quicker with the disciples. He's going to teach them the same lesson about the living water, but now it's with food. Verse 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So this is really important for us today. And I'm going to wrap up with this. If I can have the band, go ahead and come on up. But there's going to be three things real quick in this part that I want to pull out that's really important for us. Jesus said, let me tell you about my food. So how many think that's probably pretty important for us to know what that is? If Jesus is saying, this is what I feast on. Probably should be something we feast on, right? 
And yes, I am setting you up. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's what he feasts on. Is to, to do the will of the Father. His substance comes from the Father. Not only are we supposed to have living water, but we're supposed to have heavenly food. That comes from doing the will of the Father. You ask, well, what is the will of the Father? Well, thank you for asking. You set that up so well. Three things Jesus says. One, he says, open your eyes. Jesus says, hey, you've got to open your eyes. You cannot walk around life with blinders on your eyes. You can't just be stuck in your own world, head down, just plowing forward. You actually have to open up your eyes. See what the Father sees. Number two, you have to look at the fields. He says, look at the fields, they're ripe, harvest. You actually have to look at a field that's ready for harvest. Are you looking for harvest fields? Or are you looking at fields that have already been harvested? See, a farmer can't get a crop if he goes to a field that's already been harvested. He can only get a harvest from a field that hasn't been harvested yet. So are we looking for the fields to harvest? Number three, I sent you to reap. He sent, has sent us to reap the harvest. It's not good enough just to open your eyes. It's not good enough just to look at the fields that need to be harvested. You're the actually one to do it. Anybody can look across the street and see fields that need to be harvested. But Jesus is saying you also have to go reap that harvest. And he kind of says sometimes you won't know if you're the sower or the reaper. But both of them require action. Both of them require us to have opened eyes and look to the fields. And are we willing to reap the harvest? Because reaping the harvest is the hard work. That's the hard part. But with him, we have a living water in us. To not be thirsty anymore. So are we drinking of him? And are we eating of the will of the Father? Because as believers, that's where we draw our water and food from that sustains us. Stand with me. I would challenge us today. If you're thirsty and if you're hungry, what are you drinking from and what are you eating? Are you drinking from Jesus And are you eating of doing the will of the Father? It would be so easy just to sit there and say, oh, 
My food comes from just sitting in God's presence and not doing anything. But that's not what Jesus says. Now, I love sitting in God's presence. That's drinking in the water. But you got to carry that presence with you and start splashing around on the people around you. But my substance comes from doing the will of the Father. And for every one of us, it's a little different exactly how that works out. But it starts with opening our eyes, looking to the fields for harvest, and getting out there and harvesting. So Holy Spirit, you're the master at this. You've been sent to us to teach us how to do this. So we fall into your arms. And we ask you to open up our eyes to see what the Father sees. Teach us how to look to the fields that are ripe for harvest. And teach us how to deal with calluses on our hands to reap the fields. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the best teacher. Right now, we just ask that you bring a fresh spring of water to us now. Jesus, we drink of you. If you're in this room or online and you've never had an experience with Jesus, and you want to taste that living water that never goes dry. If that's you this morning, can you just lift up your hand? I want to pray with you. If you're online, yes, over here. Anybody else that wants to drink a water that never will run dry? If you're online, just say, Jesus, I want to drink of you. Say, Jesus, I want to drink of that living water that you're offering. So Holy Spirit, come right now and fill everyone with that spring of living water to bubble up and out of them. They would have an encounter with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If I can have the ministry team come on up. Champion. So yeah, ministry team, come on up. We're going to end this by singing this song together in worship. So for the next two minutes, and then we're going to be done. Let's worship in spirit and in truth. And if you need prayer, if you need healing, need situation, someone to agree with you, please come on up. These are here have been gotten ready to pray with you. Well, let's spend the next two minutes worshiping the king because he's in the room he's in the room
So this is what Jesus said before he left. This is how we reap the harvest. All authority in heaven and on earth has given to me. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He said, go, giving you the authority. Be me to everyone around you. That's what he's given us authority to do. Be Jesus to everybody that you come in contact with. So that they walk away tasting the sweet living water. That they'll never go thirsty again. So Jesus, thank you for being that for us. And we give you out to everybody we come in contact with. We be you to everybody in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Have a great week. Go spill over on people. Be Jesus to them. And more importantly, go get your kids. Because our workers want to be splashed with love. And then next Saturday, Saturday we have Activate Family. So don't miss that. We also have Friday night, we got worship and signs and wonders going on in the parking lot. You don't want to miss that. A lot of stuff going on. Love you. Have a great week.